0: Welcome back, everybody. If you're visiting, I'm Pastor Bill. Um, I'm the lead pastor here, which pretty much basically means that if something goes wrong, it's kind of like probably my fault. So welcome if you're visiting. We are honored that you are here with us. So today, I want to talk with you about something that probably everyone in this room really, really wants. But as soon as I start talking about it, nearly everyone in the room is going to start thinking of the reasons why you can't have it. All right? Just so that's the heads-up warning here. Um, in case you're new um, visiting with us, we are in a series of sermons called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And really what it is is, you know, it's whatever that, that emotionally healthy means, what it is is we've been trying to pay attention to areas of our lives that have not been touched by, sufficiently by the gospel, have not been redeemed or reformed or transformed by the gospel. So over these eight um, sermons, we've been trying to find areas like that where where we want to pay better attention so that those parts of our lives will also be formed and transformed. Um, And today, we're going to talk about redeeming time redeeming time in our lives through a commitment to Sabbath rest. Redeeming time in our lives through the commitment to Sabbath rest. By now, I'm pretty sure that everyone here has figured out that there are points in our lives where the pace of our lives starts to destroy the peace of our souls. Right? We've probably all experienced times when when The pace of our life is disrupting our spiritual well-being. And one of the marks of spiritual maturity is the opposite of that. What's supposed to happen is our spiritual well-being is supposed to manage the pace of our lives. Instead of the pace of our lives really disrupting our spiritual well-being. So... Let's start with this. Raise your hand if you believe that the Ten Commandments are merely ten suggestions. At least you're paying attention. You didn't raise your hand just because I said raise your hand, right? All right? In the world, the Ten Commandments from God are treated like, you know, suggestions, options, if you feel like. I mean... Yeah, the world looks down on murder, okay? It doesn't really like that. But most of the other ones, it's like, yeah, you know, a little adultery is not that bad. A little bit of using the name of the Lord in vain is not that bad. A little covetousness is not that bad. I mean, just turn on your um, TV and and you're trained to covet, right? So in our world, the Ten Commandments are treated pretty much as ten suggestions. But as followers of Jesus, who have come to know the love of our Father in heaven, we know that God's commandments aren't suggestions— nor are they burdensome. The more we walk with Jesus, the more we realize that, that God's commandments are given to us to protect us. They're given to us to, to, so that we can avoid pain and disintegration in our lives. They're given to us so that, so that we have space for joy and fullness in life. Which, when we understand that, is why it's really, 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 really weird that... There's one commandment that we routinely disregard. On a weekly basis, most of us break one of the commandments. Now, if anyone in this room was murdering somebody every week, we'd do an intervention, right? If anyone here were committing adultery once a week, we would do an intervention. Why is it that when it comes to the fourth commandment that says to keep the Sabbath holy, why is it that that one we can routinely disregard and routinely break and not think anything's wrong with it. And so let me read to you the background for the, um, the Sabbath. Because it goes way back to Genesis chapter 2 to creation. Here's what we read in Genesis 2, 2 and 3. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So we learn here that that resting is part of the nature habit character of God. And as you know, we were created in God's image. And so probably learning to rest one day in 7th and by the way, I don't care what day you pick. I'm pretty sure the rhythm has to be one day in 7. But I'm not sure the day matters that much. And I'm pretty sure that that one hour on one day in seven isn't enough, okay? I'm pretty sure it means like 24 hours, one day of a rhythm in seven. And so here um, we read in Exodus chapter 20, um, the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. By the way, the root of the word Sabbath, it just means stop, okay? Desist, cease, you know, stop. That's what that word means. So on this, on, um, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, Six days you will labor and do your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you and all the members of your household shall not do any work. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And we don't have time to trace the thread of Sabbath Um, The concept of Sabbath and Sabbath keeping And Sabbath breaking throughout the Old Testament But this is, trust me, this is a constant theme That God is talking to his people about In the Old Testament So that when they are chronically breaking the Sabbath God tries to bring them back And tries to bring them back And tries to bring them back And then God punishes them And and, and, And here's the other pattern that we see in the Old Testament When God's people... Return to honor the Sabbath, usually revival starts in individuals and in families. And I think it's still true today in churches as well. So here's just one of the other places. Isaiah 58 talks about the Sabbath. God says this. He says, again, keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath. And I like this phrase. And speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in in everything you do on that day. And don't follow your own desires. Don't talk idly. Then, another, just that, that word comes back. When we do that, then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised I, the Lord, have spoken. The Sabbath is a gift given to us where we start to delight in God and then God gives us great blessings when we follow it. Um, Sabbath in the Old Testament has to do with ceasing. It has to do with managing our lives by the well-being of our souls. It has to do with resting. It has to do with embracing. It has to do with feasting. There's so many good things that the scriptures invite us to with Sabbath. And here's the really neat thing, I think. That when we look at the New Testament, all of those incredible blessings of Sabbath rest are still available to New Testament Christians. So, scripture text that I want to look at today is Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 7. We're going to go through chapter 4, verse 13. Because this is the, the extended New Testament text talking about Sabbath rest. Now, back in the Gospels, Jesus talked about the Sabbath. When the Pharisees came to him and and complained that he wasn't following the rules, Jesus just kind of wiped out any legalism that goes with the Sabbath by saying the Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. But it's the writer of the book of Hebrews that really gets us to think about what it means as followers of Jesus to still follow the fourth commandment. So, Hebrews chapter, there we go. We're going to go through 7 through 11. So, when we get there, advance it for me. Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, please note that, the Holy Spirit's speaking, okay? Pay attention. The Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, that would be God's voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways, and I swore in my wrath, they will not enter my rest. All right. These are five verses from Psalm 95. Extended quote. Psalm 95 is the preeminent Sabbath psalm for the people of Israel. Psalm 95, way back when this was written, for thousands of years continuing today, Psalm 95 is the psalm that is read on the beginning, the evening of the Sabbath. In every faithful Orthodox Jewish home, these verses are read when the Sabbath candle is lit. Um... Today, if you hear God's voice, you imagine if, if once a week you just stopped and said, "Today, if I hear your voice, God, I'm going to make space and I'm going to listen. I'm going to be available to hear your voice." Imagine what that would, how that would shape you. Imagine how that might shape your marriage one day, or how it might shape your family or your children. Imagine how it would shape us as, as a church if every week, one day in seven, we set aside time that, Father, I might be really busy the other days as I'm working, but this day, this day, this day, I will hear your voice. And so the the psalmist and then um, the writer of Hebrews quoting him talks about that time of testing in the desert. We know from, from Psalm 95 that this is a reference back to Numbers chapter 12. So, Moses had led the people out of slavery in Egypt. They come to the promised land, all right, for the first time. They come to the promised land, and this is the land that God has said, this will be a land flowing with milk and honey. This, the promise of God is that when you enter the promised land, then you will receive the gift of the rest that I have for you. So, the Jewish people under Moses come to the promised land, and they send 12 spies in to scout out the land, and the spies come back and say, you know, everything God said about this land is true. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. But t- 10 of the 12 spies say, but there's no way that we can possess it. There's no way we can enter the prom- We can't win. There are giants in the land. There are too many obstacles to us going into the promised land. Two of the spies say, we can do it. God says we can do it. We can do it. But the 10 convince the people that they simply can't go in. And the writer of Hebrews is equating this to the people thinking about Sabbath rest because God gets so angry that he says, I will not allow them to enter my rest. And so what happened to that generation? 40 years they wandered in the wilderness till they all died off because they refused to to enter into God's rest. God refused to allow them to rest. They had to completely die off till they came back to the promised land the second time when they were able to enter it. Think about that when you're thinking of your objections to why you can't choose one day in seven to have a Sabbath rest to God. Because one of the things that we learn here from verse 11 is that rest is a reward. It's an invitation and it's a gift and a reward from God. Rest is an invitation, a gift and a reward from God. Instead of, when we, when we neglect God's invitation, instead of having balance in our lives, we live in a, a chronic state of having to produce. A chronic state of having to perform. We live in busyness, and what one person has coined the term, hurry sickness. When we refuse to rest one day in seven, we get utterly swamped and shaped by a world that has no concept of Sabbath rest whatsoever. Rest is a gift and a reward from God. Second point that I want you to see from this passage is in verses 12 to 19. Eventually, we'll click it. There we go. There. Take care. Brothers and sisters, okay, brethren, all of you, take care. Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day. This is not the right text. All right, let me, um, I got my Bible right here. I have an actual Bible, you guys. (laughs) All right. You know what? I'll bet that I'm just... I'm, um, in my head, I'm hearing it in the translation that I worked on it. So let me read it to you in the translation that I've got here. Um, Hebrews 3, verses 12 to 19. That is right. It's just... All right. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if we hold firmly till the end, the confidence we had at first. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was God angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see, and this is the second point, so we see they were not able to enter rest because of their unbelief. Here's the point that we learn in verse 19. Lack of faith will lead us to a frantic life. And the contrast of that is, the greater our trust in God, the more rest-filled our lives will be. Here's why most of us don't practice rest. We have been told our whole lives that our value is in our producing. We've been told, we, we've got, been, been conformed to the world's ways that says, you have to do and 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 do. And when you stop doing, you're not valuable anymore. So we believe what the world tells us instead of trusting in what God promises us so that we can then rest. Um, When we believe in trusting God, we will embrace Sabbath rest a day in seven. Now let that sink in. If we trust God enough, we we won't just kind of obey it because we're supposed to. We will embrace his Sabbath rest. And then we will start delighting in God in new ways. And just to be perfectly clear, partial trust isn't going to cut it on this, okay? Our trust has to be in God and God alone. So the psalmist in Psalm 16, verse 9, psalmist says this, he says that his, his heart could be at peace, his tongue could rejoice, and his body could rest because, he says, I trust in God alone. Not God plus a little bit of my effort thrown in the side but I trust in God alone. Psalm 62, verse 1, the psalmist says, my soul finds rest in God alone. He goes on to say that God alone was his refuge, his strength, his hope, his salvation, his fortress, and his protection. Imagine how much sweeter our lives would be if we could trust in God alone and we could stop so that there's time for us to to enjoy and embrace life. So there's time for us to enjoy and embrace one another. To the extent that we trust in ourselves, we will be continually weary for the rest of our lives. And here's something that that strikes me. Lots of times we say, well, I'll start resting later. I'll get through this semester. I'll get through this year. I'll get through my school. I'll get through this project at work. And here's the deal. Hardly anybody you ever talk to will say that later ever comes. Almost everybody you talk to will say that their life accumulates more stuff and more busyness. If we can start this now, we can change the patterns of our lives for the rest of our lives. Isaiah 30, verse 15, a really sad commentary on Isaiah's day and probably on us if we don't get this. Isaiah 30, verse 15 says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But the next sentence, the next phrase, but you would have none of it. You said, we'll flee on horses. In other words, you said, I'm going to depend on my own resources. I'm going to trust in my own abilities, my own devices. You said, we will flee on horses. Therefore, God says, fine, you will flee. So we have this thing that we say, I'm just too busy to rest. I just don't have the capability to do this in my life. But the sad thing is, we pay a high, high cost when we continually break the fourth commandment. So every once in a while, I, I say it to God, folks. I'm learning this too, right? I say, God, um, I, can't, I can't do a day of unproductivity today. I've got to get certain things done. And what I hear God say back is, Bill, that's because you're still trusting in yourself. If you trust in me, you can stop. You can cease. You can be at peace. Third point, Hebrews 4.1. And here the point is, oh, I'm, I'm sorry that I, um, it was the right text. I was just messed up. All right. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. The point here is the promise of God's rest still stands. When we think about rest, what are we afraid of? We're afraid that we won't get everything done, that the world will fall apart if we stop. The writer of Hebrews says that's all backwards. What we ought to be afraid of because the when he says, let us fear, the word there is phobia. He says, let us have a phobia lest any of us doesn't rest. We're afraid of what will happen if we rest. God says we should really be afraid of what will happen when we don't rest. We can refuse to be the victims of busyness. We really can choose that. Because, you know, we really aren't the victims of busyness. We're the architects of our busyness. And we can quit doing that if we will respond to God's invitation to rest. And in Christ, here's the, here's the amazing thing. We can hardly imagine it. In Christ, we can learn holy leisure for the rest of our lives. Um, there's a German um, Christian um, philosopher who argues that culture rises and crashes in proportion to its ability to do holy leisure. God invites us to a new way to live. Verses 2 through 5. For good news came to us just as it came to them back there. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were were not united by faith with those who listened. So once again, faith, unbelief is tied with busyness. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he said, as I swore my, my wrath, they will not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. We've already read this. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They will not enter my rest. Do you get the theme? God invites us to rest. If we insist, God will not let us enter rest. And our busyness and our weariness will be our punishment by refusing to believe. Verse 6 we discover it's not just lack of faith that leads to our frantic lives, but it's also disobedience that leads to a frantic life, since therefore it remains for some to enter it. So it's still available. And those who formally received the good news failed to enter. Why did they fail to enter? Because of this, this, their disobedience. Let me give you another hard truth. I'm sorry, this is a tough one. And by the way, at the end of the sermon, it gets just a little bit tougher. Um, a lifestyle of chronic busyness is sin. That's hard, right? If you are too busy, you probably are lacking in faith and you're probably sinning. A lifestyle of chronic busyness is sin. Isaiah 28. This is the resting place, God speaking. This is the resting place. Let the weary rest. This is the place of repose. But again, as we read earlier, but they would not listen. Here's what God does when we won't listen. So the word of the Lord to them will become, do this, do that, a rule for this, a rule for that, a little here, a little there, so that as they go one step forward, they will always feel like they are one step backward. If that feels like your life, you are under the punishment of God right now. If you feel like it's more and more and more and more and more and more, every step forward, I slide backwards. That's God saying he's not pleased with how we are approaching life. Deuteronomy 28, 28 says this, The Lord will scatter you among all the nations from one end of the earth to the other. Among those nations you will find no repose, no resting place for the sole of your foot. There the Lord will give you an anxious mind, eyes weary with longing, and a despairing heart. It's a hard truth. The folks... As the followers of Jesus, can we learn it? Can we be different? Can we stop letting the world shape us and let the Lord's promises shape us? A lifestyle of busyness and constant productivity is a lifestyle of disobedience. Back to our text, verses 7 through 9. Again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David, today Point number five, all who rent, enter God's rest, they actually, we stop working. We stop. We desist. We cease. There is available to you this incredible gift of one day in seven where you get to stop. My third year in seminary, um, in our small group, we, we started becoming familiar with what the scriptures was teaching about Sabbath. And, and we thought, we can't, we can't blow this off. And so like three or four of us in our small group said, we're going to make a commitment to honor, and we chose Sunday as our Sabbath. We said, we're going to make a commitment to honor the Sabbath, to keep it holy. And we said, that's it. We don't care whether there's an exam or a paper due on Monday. We will do no schoolwork. We will do no other work on Sunday. And we, that was my third year in seminary. And at the end of the year, we all got together and said, how would it work? You want to know what? You would have expected that all of us would have done worse in school. Every single one of us, our grades went up, and it was all guys. Our wives all loved us better because we dared to believe and let God work. Uh, One person's written about it like this. She writes, there is a time in which to be, simply to be a time in which God quietly tells us who we are and who he wants us to be. In our Sabbath rest, God can take our emptiness and fill it up with what he wants and drain away the busyness with which we inevitably get involved in the dailiness of human living. Another person says this. He says, because we do not rest, we lose our way. We miss the compass points that show us where to go. We lose the nourishment that gives us health. We miss the quiet that gives us wisdom. Poisoned by the hypnotic belief that good things come only through tireless effort, we never truly rest. And for want of rest, our lives are in danger. How have we allowed this to happen? This was not the world we dreamed of when we were young and life seemed full of possibilities and promise. How did we get so terribly rushed in a world saturated with work and responsibility and somehow not enough joy and delight? And this writer finishes and says, I think it's because we've forgotten the Sabbath. All right, verse 11. We're making our way. That's the last point. Then I've got some suggestions for you. Verse 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of obedience. I think it's the NIV that says, let us make every effort to enter that rest. And what we learn here is, it sounds weird, it's going to take work to rest. What takes zero work is to be busy. There are times in my life where I am incredibly busy, and I realize as I look back on those, it was because I was incredibly lazy. It takes work to rest well. It's going to take effort. If you expend no effort in this, then you're just going to get caught up with the flood of the world. It's going to take effort and work for us to rest. Not casual effort. Not, um, not you know, half-hearted effort. This is going to take some diligence for the rest of our lives. The writer of Hebrews knows what we also know, right? Right? We will work ourselves to death if we don't work ourselves to rest. So, let me give you, and and the chilling thing here, if we don't rest, we too will fall. We will miss the promised land that God has for our lives. So let me just give you some ideas just to start us thinking about how to do that, okay? Biblical case is just nailed so strongly. There's no way we can shuffle out from under this. So here's some ideas, but, but these are Bill's ideas, so these are not God's ideas. Just... Start the process of thinking about it. Number one, why don't we just decide to obey the fourth commandment? We could do that today. We could say, enough's enough. I will choose Sabbath rest. I will choose one day every seven that I will stop. Second idea here, it might help us if we pay attention to those deep longings inside of us that know that we want this already, that know that we don't have enough time for beauty, we don't have enough time for relationships. Pay attention to that part of you that wants to be off the clock, wants to be off the treadmill, that longs to, to be free from performing. So pay attention to those parts of you that you keep pushing down but keep on seeping up through. Third idea here, it might help for you to realize and to remember that the Sabbath for the Jews begins on sundown the night before i found when, I, when I'm walking in the Spirit and I'm doing well with this, that when I start the Sabbath sundown before, it shapes the evening and my sleep, and I wake up in a different frame of reference. And, so, and it might also help you, um, and I, I've got a lot of friends who have done this, it might help you to have a ritual at sundown of the day that you choose, um, and, because the, the Jews would light the Sabbath candle, and they would read Psalm 95. You might find that there's some kind of a ritual that would work for you um, that will begin your Sabbath and help set your frame of reference. A fifth idea here, um, let's just admit it's going to take some work, okay? And, and with that, it means that, that we're going to have to talk about it together. We have to encourage each other on it. We got to ask each other and and really ask your prayer partner. Ask your small group this week. Say, how are you doing at Sabbath? Here's how I've been doing. And here's how I've not been doing it. Well, let's go into it. Why eyes wide open. It's going to take some work. Number six, please beware of the legalism and the rules. Legalism and rules will suck life out of your Sabbath. Okay. That's not the purpose. That's just a victory for Satan. Number seven, um, This will will be a lot easier to do in community. Now, we're not in a a culture where the whole nation of Israel just stops for Sabbath, okay? Our culture never, ever stops. But we can be a community here that encourages it with one another um, as we're talking with each other. Um, Number eight, um, pay attention to what goes on inside your soul as you're learning. Notice what's happening to you when you succeed, Notice what's happening when you don't. Because if you can be reflective about this, imagine how you might be able to shape your children to learn from a very young age to heed the fourth commandment. Number nine, just a couple more here. An inevitable part of Sabbath is going to be figuring out what you will do and what you won't do on your day of rest. I don't think anybody else can figure that out for you. I think you're the only one that can do that. I think that's part of the process of deciding what do I want to cease and desist from on this day? And it might help you to make a list of things you'll say no to. And then what are the things that really bring you life that you would like to bring into the day? I'm pretty sure that binge-watching TV is not going to bring you life, okay? I kind of have this theory that if you, you you step away from social media, you might have more joy and more capacity um, for Sabbath rest. But I don't know that. You're the only one that can figure that out. But beware of of something here. We lie to ourselves. It's our addiction that keeps us going back to our email more than anything else. And one of the things we find in Sabbath is we have some addictions to performance and and to accomplishing. So, don't do things that suck life out of you. Um, And I just have this theory that I don't know, it's just partly kind of part of my life. On my Sabbath days, I, am, I try to be very alert to random acts of kindness. Doing stuff for people that I will get no benefit out of just to, to and hopefully they don't even see, um, just so that I am um, being God's presence in the world. All right, um, let's be aware, last, last point here, let's be aware that Sabbath keeping messes with us because it goes for some of those deep addictions. Um, and let's remember that, like everything else, like every spiritual discipline, like everything in life, we're going to be bad at this before we get good at it. All right, It's going to take time to learn it. So when you try to start learning to Sabbath rest, and you're no good at it, don't throw in the towel and say it must not work. It just means you have to get onto the learning curve so that you can be blessed by the blessings that God has for you. All right, I am trying to learn this um, as well. I wish I could tell you that I got this one down, but I've been shaped a whole lot by our culture, by my family of origin in so many ways, just like you have been. But I'm convinced that God's tool for us to open up the gift of time is to learn this rhythm of Sabbath rest. Okay, all those ideas I gave you were from Bill. Like six minutes before service started, I I just kind of sensed the Lord say get away from everybody so I went and found a place where nobody was I'm not going to tell you where it is because I might find it in the future too and I just sat down and and I I just sensed the Lord say no, get on your knees okay and I thought I hope nobody walks around the corner (laughs) I get down on my knees and this wasn't in the sermon okay this is why I know this is not built And God said, enough's enough. Will you please repent of breaking my Sabbath? Will you repent so I can give you life? And I just sense God say that I will give you an overabundance of life if you will repent, if you will be my people and learn how to rest for the Sabbath. So I want to give you um, just a moment here. And uh, just, uh, just a moment in quiet. And I'm going to invite you to repent. To ask for forgiveness if the pace of your life has abandoned God's Sabbath. To ask for forgiveness for seeing the Sabbath as a burden and not as a way to delight in our God. And then I'm going to just um, give you a moment for that. And then I'm going to um, guide you in the next piece of that prayer. And then a third piece of that prayer. So would you close your eyes? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come to you now. And we come to you now wanting to say, enough is enough. Would you hear our confession, and our repentance in this moment of silence now. And now as you continue to pray, if you're willing, would you make the commitment and tell Jesus that you're making the commitment to honor the Sabbath? now Father Jesus and Holy Spirit thank you for the promise that when we confess our sins you are faithful and just to forgive us thank you for your forgiveness so that we know that even when we 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 know that we haven't figured this out yet we know that when we confess and repent that we walk away clean Squeaky clean. So thank you for the forgiveness that you've already given us who have repented of not honoring your Sabbath. But Father, right after that, right after we repent, right after we commit, for most of us, the next thought is, I don't have a clue how to do this or at least to do it well. Would you give us wisdom? Would you give us Energy, commitment, strength, creativity to learn this together because Lord Jesus, we want to be your people and we realize that for thousands of years when everything else is said and done, the mark of being your people is that we stop and Sabbath and make room for life. So continue to guide us, Father, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.